Hi friend, I have no intention, plan, or expectation for this little intro as I haven't scheduled any podcast recording for it, although it's I have hopes to, but what I'm hoping this episode will be about is change and I just felt really inspired and compelled to vocally express my thoughts of change. I think I feel compelled to do this now because I just got home from my last ever screening at this art theater in Atlanta called the Terra Theater, which has been here for 55 years, I think, and is just this beautiful, quaint, historic relic that has brought me so much joy and so many fun memories and experiences since I moved down here. And today, last night actually, I just read an article saying that they were getting rid of the theater, that they're, I don't know if they're demolishing it or what, but they're shutting it down. And I got really sad because I have always loved going to the theater but I got really sad and then I tried to read about it and they hadn't released dates of like final closure yet so in my head I was like okay well there'll there'll be a debriefing time it certainly won't be this year it won't um it won't happen soon um maybe I'll like throw a big party and we'll run out of room and we'll have a whole day and I don't know um So then I woke up and went to work and then at lunch we found out that they were going to close it down tonight and it was going to be the last showing tonight when they had just publicly released the information the night before. And so I dropped all my plans for the night and I left work not early. I did my shift but before anybody else left and I made it there and I went to go see one last movie. I went to go see Decision to Leave, which is ironically and appropriately a perfect title to end on. And it was like super aesthetic too because when I came out of the theater, you know, the it has all these beautiful glistening golden lights up and down that run vertically. Um and it was cool It's finally cooled back down, so it was like a little bit crispy, uh, and just this light rain that you can hear in the background too. I watched all the credits like I normally do, I took a picture of the theater, I took lots of pictures in the lobby where they have all of these very cute photos of people like Fred Astaire and Orson Welles and uh, Ingrid Bergman and Cary Grant and some other people and ironically they were advertising three posters for Wakanda Forever so that wasn't really art film but you know it's there but anyway I spent my time really just sort of remembering and appreciating the fact that I got to spend one last night one last few hours in the theater and When I was driving away in the rain, I realized that this change was so sad to me 
not because of the obvious capitalism reasons, because basically what happened is Regal just decided that they didn't want to deal with this theater anymore, basically. So, I mean, that obviously sucks, but how I was reacting to it personally was that I think the Terra Theater was, is symbolic of my first, like, sort of roots in Atlanta. It was, like, one of the first things that I did when I came down here, and it was a really big part of my lifestyle. So, I don't know, I just felt compelled to speak a little bit about change because change can be really hard. I used to say it is hard, but I've reframed and it it can be if I let it be. It's hard for me to see the theater on the brink of transition. It was really hard for me to drive away knowing that after it turns off its lights tonight, then it's um it's not going to be the same. It's on the point of transition. And that's sort of how I go about all of my endeavors and life experiences. It's really hard for me to, to knowingly do the last thing one last time. Something I've learned, though, is that change is the only constant. And I don't know how to navigate that, necessarily. But it does bring me a little comfort to know that I have changed before, or rather that I've adapted to changes before, and evolved through changes before, so that I can keep evolving and adapting and rolling around, rolling around along whatever to the next change that comes. And of course, change brings lots of opportunities to be a beginner or to grow or to be curious. And that's what I try and lead with. So I don't know if this little chat will come out or if it'll be an intro to an episode or what, but I've seen myself go through a lot of changes and I think it's all for the best and I'm very grateful for the challenges these changes have brought. Having to learn how to adapt and put myself into uncomfortable, potentially embarrassing situations in a lot of in a big place of vulnerability mostly but exposing myself again and again and again to those vulnerable situations and feeling pride for the first time like true genuine pride and also beauty and awe I think And I wouldn't have experienced any of those without change. I'm hoping that this episode will be with my friend Clay, who is a friend that I've had the longest, 
and we've probably seen each other change and grow the most, I would say. We've always been in and out of each other's lives since preschool, but whenever we are in a pattern where we're connecting, it always feels like a solid and heart-strong connection. So regardless of if it's Clay or if it's somebody else, I think that this will be a good episode. I know that this will be a good episode. I can feel it intuitively, even though I have no plans at the moment to record it. I'm just sort of sitting here, listening to the rain. But I think I'm just going to leave it there and invite you to philosophize with me and my guest. And maybe invite a few changes of your own. Yeah, I never know how to start these, so I usually just kind of jump in. Okay. Um, to set the scene, we are in Asheville. Mm-hmm. It's very lovely. I've had a really nice, pleasant time. And we're now sitting uh, in the living room on the on the floor. Yeah. Which is the coziest of cozy by the fireplace um, looking at Diana. The lovely cat. Very yeah. fluffy. Diana is a Persian mix. Uh, she looks like a stuffed animal and she has a beautiful calico coat. Yes. <laughs> and honestly, I couldn't imagine it going any other way. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you for inviting me into your space. Really appreciate yeah, it. No problem. I am always happy to host a good friend. Well, I figured I could rely on you for that because we've been we've we've had an interesting friendship because we've like chronologically we've been in each other's lives for so long, but um like the number of active friendship like years but also just like time I don't feel like has been all that much. Yeah, I guess not. Um, Sarah and I have known each other for 25 years. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we are both in our late 20s. Um, we met in preschool at First Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, like Sarah said, we have been in and out of each other's lives. Um, friends in middle school, uh, like low-key long-distance friends in high school because we didn't go to the same high schools, mm-hmm. uh, proper long-distance friends in college. and. Yeah, like like she said, we have been in and out of each other's lives, but whenever I get together and meet up with Sarah, it's like 
it's like no time has passed. Yeah. Um, we like we always pick up conversation very easily. Um, and I don't know. It's just like picking up where we left off. Like even if we haven't like talked to each other in a year or so. Like I think they were. I think the longest recently we've gone without talking was like in college. Like I don't think we were um, talking to each mu- each other much in college. But like, you know, a couple months will go by and then we'll just shoot each other texts. And it's it's always super easy talking to her. So yeah, and I'm really glad that you say that because I have the same exact like perception of of you as well like i feel like um i trust you and our friendship is so strong that i could honestly like i don't want to go a year without talking with you but i feel like i could and then i could just like send you a random message one day and then it would be fine yeah like it wouldn't be unprecedented (laughs) necessarily Yeah. yeah it would be super chill um and yeah, I don't think we're at a phase where we'll go so long without talking anymore. But I, I mean, like I said, it's always been super easy. Like we're like we go both kind of go in different directions, but we're always like on very similar wavelengths. Yeah. By the way, my name is Clay Jones. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I have introduced myself yet since we um, have started recording. But my name is Clay. So, well, thank you for that. Um, I will do in my little fireside chat thing at the beginning. I'll okay. introduce you a little bit too. Cool. So, since we've been friends for so long and in each other's lives for so long, I thought that you would be the perfect person for me to chat with a little bit about change because, I mean, just you and I have seen each other ebb and flow and like different seasons of our lives, but we also, um, grew up, you know, around the same place, basically the same town, just sort of different ends of it um, in different schools. But, you know, we come from similar roots um, and I feel like so much and so little is the same. Uh, and it's really interesting because when I uh, pitched this to you or when I uh, sent you the the invitation, you said that it was um, sort of serendipitous yes. that changes the word. So I was wondering... Would you be able to share why it was so serendipitous? Yeah, certainly. Um, the big, big reason why it is so serendipitous at this moment in time is that with my life and like career trajectory right now is I am anticipating moving to the opposite side of the planet in like four months. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that'll do it. And it's very scary, but... um. Uh, like, I don't know. I uh, I am going through a period in my life right now where it feels like the closing of one chapter and the beginning of a new chapter. Like, this, like, moving so far away has been something that I've been wanting to do since childhood, basically. But there have been, like, different roadblocks along the way, and now it feels like the perfect time for, like, the dam to crumble and me for, like, to for me to take this big risk and mm-hmm. spread my wings and go across the pacific ocean so right right yeah yeah. you just like feel this urge to burst through yeah whatever walls and what do you think those walls are like staying true to that metaphor Ooh, i mean a big one is financial insecurity Mm -hmm. and just like like insecurity relating to my physical life like the the paychecks i get on a monthly or weekly basis uh the food that i'm eating the roof over my head um 
like I have always wanted to like go to Southeast Asia. Um, maybe not always, maybe within like the last 10 to 15 years. Um, but like the money thing is a big hurdle. And I'm at this point now where like, I'm not necessarily well off, but I am comfortable taking like bigger risks when it comes to my finances. And I think I'm in a spot now where the risk is calculated and good and it could benefit great rewards. Um, and I've had like a, a life path up to this point that's like, it's almost felt like a training arc. Like it's been getting me comfortable with taking like bigger risks when it comes to money. Um, and just like dealing with that insecurity and having to deal with the insecurity in little bite-sized pieces uh, has led me up to this point where I'm willing to take this big jump and buy like a one-way plane ticket to like a new job in a new country. Mm, so kind of the practice uh, of exposing yourself to this like a little bit and a little bit more of financial insecurity um has maybe given you like the confidence like built up some blocks of confidence that you'll be able to you know take this big plunge yeah certainly that's a great way to put it and it's interesting too because that's not something i necessarily set out to do um i have had like really stable jobs and stuff in the past and i've just had like different moments in my life where it's like i'm in this really comfortable place um but there's like something weighing down on like my spirit or my heart and I have to like take some risk to get out of the situation. Um, and I didn't, I didn't necessarily do that with the plan to like, Hey, these are baby steps to like go to Japan or like go to Thailand or whatever. But it, it, it has worked out in such a way where like following my gut instinct or like following my heart as corny as it sounds has led me to this place where like I'm willing to take a risk on something that's very important to me that's like super risky still but mm. I'm ready like I feel like I'm ready mm. well when you say that you seem really um like sure and confident about it and I can tell that you know it's not something that you're just like telling yourself or like forcing yourself to do it's like it genuinely seems that you're ready and you want to do it Thanks. Yeah. Um, and I totally envision seeing you over there in Japan because, one, I want you over there because uh, I think you'll really enjoy it because you enjoyed it the last time you were over there. Yeah. But two, I need you to go over there so that I can go and visit you. Of course. Everybody <laughs> loves a destination friend. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, Got to go to the, the Ghibli theme park and yeah. all sorts of things. Yeah, of course. You know about the Ghibli Museum, right? And like, I think it's in Tokyo Central Park. Like, yeah. It seems super lovely. So Ugh, All the things. Got to do them. Um, But I did want to follow up and ask like, you know that you need to do this now. Like, it's clear, it seems, and you're, like, you're ready to start taking those steps towards it. What, like, how did you know that you were ready for the change? Or what brought you to the conclusion that something needed to change? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, as, so, like... When I graduated college, I got into this like joint phase of like getting into self-improvement. And I think like maybe after five years, it's no longer a phase. <laughs> like, <laughs> that might be an era. But I've been taking like self-improvement pretty seriously since graduating college. And around that same time, I also started um, 
practicing witchcraft and getting into paganism. And um, when I was really little, religion was something that was always super important to me. Um, I was very Christian, like in middle school and high school and stuff. Um, Sarah might remember a little bit of that. Um, And then like something happened to me when I was 17 and I left for college, like being out of our hometown, being out of my family's house, like caused me to just something about being like out of that world just like caused me to like instantly lose faith in Christianity. Like I had always Mm -hmm. been like, like very Jesus, very like heaven and hell. And then like something about going to university, I was like, oh, this is all fake. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like this is all stuff that people made up and it's not necessarily true. So like that bothered me for a long time. And then like I tried like Buddhism, I tried like Hinduism, like typical white girl, like coping mechanisms. Yeah, just like going through, like figuring out which one works yeah. for you. Um, and so my senior year of college, I got really into like um self-improvement and I got really into witchcraft. And this led me to like meditate more, practice the tarot and stuff, and I started like meditation was a big game changer for me and I don't necessarily do it all the time but I think the more time you spend with yourself in silence the more like obviously the more you get to know about yourself and the more you can kind of like listen to an internal version of yourself that may know whether or not a situation is good or bad for you Hmm. um and that might sound really woo woo but it is kind of the honest answer to your question like I think through my practice and through like meditating and like feeling things out and just like the weird winding path I've been on so far. Um, Like I lived in a vehicle for a little while. Um, I've had like various jobs Um, and I just feel like in my guts now is the time. Like I've kind of gone through like a hermit phase during the pandemic um, where I didn't talk to many people. I was kind of living by myself and like, uh, like in a semi dark, but not destructive headspace. So I've had that I've moved to a bigger city. I've been like making more friends in a bigger city. And like now that like I'm talking to people more, um, I just have a job that I'm happier with. Um, I've been developing in such a way that like, Now I feel like this spring, this upcoming season is the time to go. I just like feel it in my guts. I feel it like in my organs and I died. (laughs) I don't really know how else to describe it besides that. Mm, Yeah. So it's this really, it sounds like something that has always been there because you've been talking to me about going about wanting to go back to Japan basically since you got back from studying over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that idea isn't uh isn't a new like novel idea, but I think what's changed has um at least from my perspective and hearing you talk about it has been the the motivation and the actionable steps I guess um but also in order for you to do that having the stability yeah would you say that that's a fair yeah internal stability for sure um I think I've gotten to a point where like in the past if I had like financial or physical issues come out it would really like set me off balance for a long time and it took me a while to like 
get a good headspace again or like figure out my footing again. And I think stability is the key word there. I think um, maybe at this point in my life, I have more of an internal sense of stability that cannot be shaken as easily. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that. It sounds like you have a lot more um, trust and faith in yourself. Yeah, well. I think so. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. Um, one thing that you mentioned uh, is that you sort of have a, a history of like, uh, I like to say, or I guess I'll say trying out jobs. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> because, and I don't want this to come off as glib at all, but I honestly, like, I really have admired you for all of the, um, the, the jobs that you've had and tried and sort of like the hats that you've worn. Um, because some of these, I mean, what your your medical scribe job was what three shifts <laughs> yeah <laughs> was that the shortest one or has there been another a shorter one um hmm. no i think that's the shortest job i've that's had the shortest um one. yeah and sarah is referring to my first job out of college i was hired as a medical scribe in an emergency room in rural appalachia Um, And that was rough. That was definitely a hat that I tried and I learned about myself and I learned about our uh, medical system for better or for worse. But um, yeah, no, that one was not for me. I I am not cut from the cloth to like be successful in an emergency room. Yeah, right. right, right. But what I admire about you is that in that job and then um, in the other uh, the other jobs that you've sort of taken on and tried out um, for whatever season of life they served you for um you did always seem to like get something from them whether it helped you or um learned that it did not necessarily help you Mm -hmm. um and it's been it's always just been really uh cool I guess to see how sure you were of yourself like knowing when to cut ties with something I really appreciate that um I like I'm just the type of person where like uh, I'm not sure when this line got drawn but like sometime when I was working for like either Papa John's or Starbucks or Panera I did I did sort of like realize that um sometimes like uh, a job is just not worth it like you may not be in a financially stable place but if you can work it at all you should take a smoke break and not go back inside the store. You should, you should just keep walking. Um, but yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I think, I think that's a skill that people should learn um, when to cut your losses. Mm-hmm. When is a good time to take the risk to get out of there, even if you may not feel a hundred percent ready. Mm-hmm. Because in a way it's in, at least in my experience, it's, it is scary or like there is a, an element of uncertainty to it, but there's also, um, it's like an invitation for opportunity to come in. Yeah. It, it's risky, but there's a huge capacity for award for mm-hmm. reward. Um, if you're willing to take that risk. Right. And in your experience, when you've left each of these jobs, at least from my perspective, it seems like there's always been something for, or you found something or made something, um, on the other side. Yeah. Typically um, the pattern is if I am in a really crappy job and I take the risk and roll the dice and just walk out of there. 
Um, it may be difficult at first. I might have to dig into my savings. I may not be eating um, super rich and delicious food for a while. But typically it's worth it. Like when you leave, when you create a void in your life for something like that, when you um, walk away from something safe, sometimes it does create, like Sarah said, an almost infinite capacity for opportunity. Like anything can happen in your life if you like, if you keep your eyes open and Mm -hmm. you're willing to take opportunities as they present themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen an opportunity present itself to you and then just sort of turn a turn the other cheek to it like basically turned it down or are you more so like if you see something you just try it there are certainly things in the past that might have seemed too good to be true Mm -hmm. or maybe at the time I wasn't feeling like energetic enough to rise to the task um but generally like Uh, Like, if I was giving advice to someone, I think you would know in your gut whether or not something is worth it. Like, there may come opportunities that uh, seem really good on the surface, but maybe, like, timing is not right. And I wouldn't beat yourself up if you were to, like, miss that sort of thing. Um, But generally, yeah, I mean, if you have an opportunity in front of you, I think you should seize it. And I think most of the things when I've when they're in my path and I feel a strong type of way about them, I will go after them. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I would say the same thing about you, like at least from my perspective, observationally. I mean, you've always been my, um, sort of like my go to adventure buddy, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like, who can I rope in to go do this with? Yeah, you know, you're not the only one to tell me that. Like, I've had people tell me, like, Clay, you're the kind of friend where it's like, we can do whatever. Like, I <laughs> I can call you and we can go to, like, Waffle House or we can, yeah. like, do some weird off-the-wall shit. Like, I am kind of down for whatever most of the time. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. And it's been fun for me, too, because, um, like... For one of your birthday parties, we did like that little zip line yes, course that one time. And yeah. then we also, the, I think the next year or the year prior, we did the, the Whitewater Rafting Center yes. in Charlotte or outside of Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been uh, never a dull day. <laughs> 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 or at least like I always know that we're going to, you know. Whatever we do, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be, a, whether it's like a, a successful venture or not, it's not not really about the success itself. It's like the journey. Yeah. Well, you know, you kind of bring that energy as well. Um, when, I, when we were in middle school... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, Sarah roped like me and another friend into filming a Nerf gun commercial. I sure did. Like around our hometown and like in her backyard and stuff. And like, that was so fun. And that was such a chaotic day too, because we did it like (laughs) in the height of summer. It was like 95 degrees outside. It was so hot. And like me and her and another friend were out shooting for like several hours just out in the heat and then, like, we came back to her room, and then, like, we fell dead asleep <laughs> on the cold, beautiful hardwood floor of her bedroom, uh-huh. just, like, passed out. <laughs> so, you know, I, I may be a little chaotic. I may be, like, down for whatever, but Sarah also brings this energy <laughs> when she comes to hang out. So We feed it from yeah. one each other. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, we are energetically bonded for sure. Yeah, we also did that. Uh, um, the uh, the drop at Carowinds. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's the, like another precious memory, like the Sky Coaster. Yeah, the Sky Coaster. <laughs> yep, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of good bonding uh, through adventure and just activities. Let's get this on tape. Um, Sarah and I also still need to go skydiving at some point. This yes. is something we talked about as kids. Mm-hmm. I know a place. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Great. <laughs> we definitely have to go skydiving at some point. Okay, absolutely. This is the uh, the uh, the audio memo. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we'll hold ourselves accountable for sure. No, that'll be really fun. Um. Well, speaking on the uh, the we've spoken a little bit about like the natural sort of like seasons, like how it seems like you intuitively know when a season is done. Yeah, <laughs> and you can ideally, move on to the next anyways, one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to get like super metaphysical and try and like link that to us living in a oh I forget the science term for it, but like a place with four distinct seasons. Um, oh, I definitely don't know the science term. I didn't forget it. I just don't know that term. Somebody call in and let us know. <laughs> um, some climate. Um, but anyway, I don't want to go down that metaphysical route necessarily. However, um, you do now live in Asheville mm-hmm. in the uh, the Blue Ridge, mm-hmm. the Blue Ridge Mountains, and it is always very beautiful here. Mm-hmm. Um which also has four distinct seasons. It does, yeah, and each of them are great. <laughs> each of them are great, can confirm. Um, and I was wondering, like, having grown up in North Carolina and, like, it sounds like you really resonate with Asheville um, now, how important is it to you uh, to see, like, and feel the seasons change, like, the actual seasons? Oh, I love the Wheel of the Seasons. Um, I kind of have this, like, <sighs> like obnoxious white girl thing I do where I'm like, oh, I don't have a favorite season. It's just the season that I'm in is always my favorite season. Um <laughs> I'm so glad you said that that way because I have said that about musical theater. Like I was once asked, what is your favorite musical? And I was like, you know, it's just it's just whatever one I'm watching. (laughs) And the guy responded just very bluntly. He was like, that is such a liberal arts answer. (laughs) But anyway, do continue. I mean, it's kind of true. Like each season has its own value and its own beauty. And I love to watch them change. I think autumn is objectively the best season but but my favorite season is the one i'm in and i i love watching the climate change um or or, i mean not in that way but i I love (laughs) i love watching the weather change um right now we're in winter um Asheville has been cold and rainy and we haven't seen much sunlight for the past three weeks Mm -hmm. which is a bummer for some people but i really enjoy it um during the winter i always Uh, like always during the winter maybe it's because like of school rhythms and like I would be studying during like Christmas break but when it gets cold and dreary like this I always want to stay inside light a candle um either read novels or study Mm -hmm. um lately it's been studying Japanese like kanji and stuff um but I also indulge in some novels still um that is one thing I really love about winter like studying inside uh things are a slower pace and watching the snow fall. Um spring is obviously beautiful. I love watching like all the new flowers bloom, all the fresh life. Um 
I've noticed that in the woods of Southern Appalachia, at least in like North Carolina, Appalachia, there's like this specific shade of like bright green you can see in the forest Mm -hmm. in like early spring, late winter, like when things start to become alive again. And I love that specific color and that specific vibe. Um, I love the flowers, of course, all the spring flowers. Um, I love summer. Summer is a time of chaos. Um, There's an interesting astrological thing that happens every summer called like the dog days of summer. And I don't remember the specifics, but it's it's been recognized in Europe since like the Roman times, at least. And it's typically in like early August, late July. And it's a time of the year known for like fevers and chaos and rabid dogs and like natural disasters. <laughs> but uh-huh. but I, I love that period of the season where it's like the height of summer and it's so hot and you can barely do anything. And it's like, like it's almost oppressive, but I, I also really like it. And, you know, Sarah and I were talking earlier about how we both um, become a little nocturnal during the summer. And it's like during the dog days of summer, I love to stay up late and watch like dumb movies or just like be up at 4 a.m. for like no reason just because I can just like doing whatever. It's almost like leaning into the insanity of the season like Hmm. like this is kind of a weird time where like the animals and the plants are kind of losing their shit. So it's like. It's like nature gives me permission to like be dysfunctional and stay up really late at night. So I love that. <laughs> Fall is awesome. My birthday is in September. Let me tell you, September is the best month of the year. <laughs> Please <laughs> tell them. Please. I, I will fight anybody on that. Like, I love all the seasons, but September is the best. You still have like a little bit of the warmth of summer. The, tre- the trees are starting to change a little bit, um, but it's it's the best. Who doesn't love fall? Uh, the leaves are beautiful here. Um, all the bugs start to die. It's the best time to go hiking. Um, so, yeah, that's how I feel about Apple all picking. Seasons. Apple picking, of course. Um, corn mazes, carving pumpkins, pumpkin spice lattes, PSLs. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> But um, yeah, I I don't know. I love all the seasons. I love how they change. I love how they don't really get stagnant. As soon as you get tired of a season, it's about to change again. Right, right. And do you think you could ever live in a place that didn't have the seasons, like four distinct seasons? Um, I think I could for a little while. Mm -hmm. I do want to see a lot of the world. Um, and I want to see like how other climates are, how other people are. Um. So I could see myself living in a place that didn't have the four distinct seasons, but um, I wouldn't live there permanently. Right. Yeah. So what I hear you saying in how you're describing the seasons and what you like about in each of the seasons, like their own specific thing, um, is that they are their own specific um, like experience, really. But what I'm more so hearing is that you are consistently able to adapt to the potential challenges that each season uh, confronts you with. I'm glad that you think that. um, And I hope it's true, but I feel like it's necessary as a human being um, to be able to adapt to certain things like that. I like, I'm a pretty goal oriented person and it's like, 
I'll set my sights on something, whether it's like a lifestyle or like an object or a job or whatever. And then I will try to take whatever steps are necessary to get to that job or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so it's it's nice of you to say that you feel like it's a talent of mine, but I feel like it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. Like in order to get what I want, I kind of have to roll with the changes. And I've always wanted an unconventional life. So this has been a necessary step in order to maintain an unconventional life. Mm, so it's a necessity. And then... Um so I guess have you had to practice, I guess, this skill of or yeah, this skill of adaptation? Is it something you're conscious of developing? Um, certainly. I think there is a conscious there is a consciousness to it, um, as I developed it. I've mentioned already um that when I was graduating college, my senior year of college, I kind of went got on this like self-help train like self-improvement train started like really vibing with a new spiritual practice when I was graduating college I couldn't admit it to myself at the time it took me a while to recognize what was going on but when I graduated college I was going through a period of grief Mm. um I was I had felt like I had wasted some potential in college I remember having these dreams shortly after I graduated where it was like I was back in Boone, back at App State, and there were these paths that I didn't take that were, like, close to my apartment or close to my dorm. There were these things that I wanted to do that I didn't do. And I also had a friend group that was scattering to the four winds. And a lot of them, you know, we lost touch. That's just kind of the reality of things. Um, So I was, like, I was going through a period of mourning in my life as college came to an end and real life like the sun was rising on real life adulthood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was it was a little bit of a dark time. Like I remember that was a difficult adjustment going from like school to real life to just working to taking care of a house to paying bills. Um, and that was kind of like a, a first cutting teeth moment, I guess. Like that is kind of the moment I remember being like, okay, like life is going to change I need to figure out a way to flow with these changes or else it's just going to keep hurting unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. Like I can mitigate this pain and I can like make decisions for how my life is going to go after this. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a moment in my life where I started to like recognize changes and start flowing with changes because change is going to happen in life whether you like it or not. That's That's part of the burden of being alive. But if you can recognize when chapters are closing and chapters are beginning, um, if you can detach from that a little bit and analyze the best course of action and then just lean into it, I think in general you have a better time than like trying to cling to an old life that's starting to decay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So many branches just (laughs) sprouted out there for me because you you tapped into so many things that – I guess I've always been like thinking about or I uh, associate with change. Um, The first one being that I have always, uh, I guess, I mean, I don't want to just like put a blanket statement over it, but more often than not, I suppose, I tend to uh, associate change with a lot of hurt. Grief. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 
And I was trying to understand in myself why that was the case. And the closest, uh, I guess, sort of like blanket universal statement I could come to is that uh, it's uh, it comes from a place of nostalgia, perhaps. Like I tend to really try to enjoy the moments that I'm in um, to the point where I'll often, uh, if confronted by a similar situation or experience, um, I'll try to in part recreate elements of that experience uh, just to sort of, you know, do those things again uh, in a different way. I guess kidding myself that yeah. change hasn't happened. Yeah. Um, but I am very sensitive to uh, to changes big and small regardless. Yeah. And they they have like the transitions, I think, um, the big transitions have been the most difficult thing for me to accept. So it resonated with me when you said that after um, your uh, graduating, like the college, like, okay, you're out in like the free world yeah. <laughs> now and nothing that we necessarily did in school applies. Yeah, figure it out. Yeah, figure it out. <laughs> I, uh, that really hit home for me. Yeah. <laughs> Do you struggle with, um, or have you struggled, I guess, with, uh, uh, transitions like just on a day-to-day basis like aside from the big uh that big one that you just mentioned I have had some difficult transitions um there seems to be a pattern in my life where like internally my heart wants something where like the level of courage I have at the time cannot cash that check um even as simple as my name change uh my birth name is Amber I changed my name to Clay a couple years ago, um, and that took a long time to reckon with. Mm-hmm. I initially, like, like I had been thinking about changing my name for a long time, and I finally settled on Clay in January 2019, and it that kind of happened in coincidence with several other things. I was moving out of a small town I was living in, and I was going to live in a van for a little while, um, you know, traveling different parts of the country, mostly the southeast Um, and that, that just took a long time to reckon with. Like I, I told my friends about that in January, 2019, but I did not start going by clay at my job, like professionally until 2021. So there were several steps. Like I initially told my inner circle and then I started branching out a little bit more and then eventually it did enter my professional life. And I've been strongly considering in the next, like, month or so starting to take the steps to get it legally changed. I'm kind of at that point now. Mm. Um, But with my difficulties with transition, um, it's mostly been a task of developing courage, like developing the gumption to do what I want. Like I'll, there will be something I want. Like I'll want a radical non-traditional name change and then I'll feel too timid for it at the time. Mm. And I have to like, like generate the courage for it so that that's sort of where that goes to me but I've also had transitions in the past where like they felt awesome like moving to the city of Asheville was like very terrifying and like a huge transition but most of the steps along the way felt amazing like it it felt so good to like shed the old skin and to shed the old life that wasn't working for me anymore. Mm, so 
some like in that example it was more energizing or invigorating yes for sure Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow that makes a lot of sense um because i feel like it could be it could go either way right it really can like it could be super Um, energizing or it could be super draining yeah i think it depends on the type of situation you're in um that's sort of the thing in life like you're never really sure what you you're gonna get you could be going through a major transition and I you run into difficulties, but everything goes super smoothly. And there could be transitions where it's like you have to work on yourself and build the inside of yourself in order to rise to the challenge of whatever it is that's changing. Mm-hmm. And I guess like in order to do any of that, like for any of that to be possible, you first have to be either of like accepting of yourself in the moment that you're in or um at the very least i think appreciative of it yeah i think it takes clarity um that's why i would really recommend meditation to anyone and you don't have to be consistent at it either i'm very inconsistent with meditation practices but like if you go through a period of like a couple weeks where you're meditating like like you don't need to meditate more than like 15 minutes a day and I feel like that will grant you the sort of like quiet mind you need to make these recognitions and to like learn important things about yourself. Mm, Totally. So on an individual level, someone can do a lot like you've done a lot to sort of uh, amp yourself up a bit and put yourself in uh, uncomfortable but like exciting and enlivening situations and experiences and to attract all of those things and growth as well um but i'm curious to know what are sort of grand scheme changes that if you could just like wipe a magic paintbrush over humanity (laughs) like what it would change about humanity yeah yeah like i'll give you my it doesn't have to be big it can be like little things too um and you don't have to go like super necessarily political if you don't want to um but i i guess my sort of like one of my my hurts or my like grievances potentially um is all of the time i guess and effort that was put into um into into schooling which i loved school everybody who knows me knows that i love school Mm -hmm. (laughs) lifelong learner proud um but i feel like so much of that was not um not efficient time and it could have been put to so much better use uh for each student individually yeah um not saying that i have the skills to do that nor the wherewithal um or any idea of how that could be done but in a perfect like imaginary world what are what is one or a few things that you would like to see change in so before i get into that i just want to add the comment on like if our education experience could be changed my father, when he, when he was when he was growing up in Surrey County, um, and I think this happened to my mom too. They had a class on like 
local plant identification. So Whoa. one of I know one of the courses my dad needed to graduate high school was like he needed to be able to go into the woods and identify like seven different native North Carolina trees. Wow. I know. And like he still has that knowledge to this day. Like when we were walking like at their new property, my parents like recently bought land. He would be like, yeah, like all these little plants growing on the ground. They're like baby blueberry bushes. And I was like, yeah, how do you like, know what that? Is that? <laughs> and it's like his high school just taught him that. Like, yeah. I wish we had had more expansive stuff like that. If I could go back to high school, I would learn Latin. That That's one of my big regrets. Mm-hmm. But it's interest. That's an interesting question because um, I'm a big old feminist um, and I don't like super want to get into that into this podcast because uh, it's it's whatever (laughs) but one thought experiment I have sometimes is like I wonder what the world would be like if like birth rates were changed in such a way to where like 75 percent of humanity was born female and 25 percent was born male like how would that change our dynamics and stuff And I think that would be really interesting. Like, uh, we see men over, or uh, quote unquote, overrepresented in like leadership positions in like government, um, corporate cultures, and things like that. And I wonder how things would be if the gender balance wasn't 50 50. Like, I wonder Hmm. how it would be split if, like, you know, like 75% of people were girls. Like, I wonder if we would still have like men overrepresented in certain leadership categories. Like, I wonder what our architecture would be like. I wonder what our arts would be like. Cause I feel like that would be such a radical change to humanity, even if we shifted that just slightly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's something I think about a little bit. Yeah. That is a really interesting thought experiment. Um, Cause I can't like off the top of my head, like, I mean, I, I guess I could imagine, like, how a few things would go, but, like, like to the architecture point, I have no idea. Yeah. And monogamy might look different for, like, heterosexual couples. Like, if there are just less men on the market, like, uh, dating scenes for most people might look different. And I don't know, man. It's just interesting to think about. And, you know, for full disclosure, I'm gay, so, like, I don't... Uh, like I have different horses in this race than like most <laughs> women, I think, but it's just something I think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. No, that is super interesting. Hmm. Well, circling back to the um to uh the couple of uh where my branches started sprouting mm-hmm. <laughs> earlier, the other thing that you alluded to is that uh change is the only constant. Yeah. And that is something that I've been trying to get myself to reckon with for a good long while now. That's a hard thing to reckon with, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And so did you uh how was your reckoning? with it like was there a moment of reckoning or what were you always just tolerant and accepting of it because I'm sort of I guess I was at the um the resistance uh phase for it with it at it whatever the right proposition is there um for the longest time Mm -hmm. a lot of the time still now but I think uh I'm more so at the uh the tolerate (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the tolerate uh, standpoint, and then with some things, uh, some things I'm at acceptance. Um, I don't know what's after acceptance. I haven't seen that far. 
<laughs> yeah, I feel that. Maybe after acceptance is like flowing with it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Adaptability. Yeah, maybe so. Um, but the phrase um, change is the only constant in life. That is something I remember my dad talking about a lot um, throughout my youth. That's definitely like a phrase I picked up from him. Um, when I was growing up, my mom was always like very afraid of change. That was always um, something that was like, I guess, one of her demons. And I remember dad talking about that a lot. Like change is the only constant in life. So that like that's an idea that I've grown up with. Mm. And I like like I was saying earlier, um, it is something I've struggled with, especially like after college. I didn't want my undergrad career to end. Right. I'm sure Sarah feels similarly about that. Absolutely. Lifelong uh, student. Yeah. In your like little bubble ecosphere where yeah. you've like finally like you've gone through K through twelve plus years of like learning how to take tests and everything in your good at it by that point yeah there's no more scantrons in real life no more scantrons (laughs) blessing and a curse so that that was a hurdle that really hurt to get over that took a long time that took a lot of heartache um but a change can be such a gift like i try to look at change like a gift like uh when I so after college, I moved to this small town called Elkin, and I lived in Elkin off and on for a little while. And I remember uh, a couple months into living in Elkin, like I felt so miserable, like I didn't have hardly any friends there. Um, Elkin was a very welcoming and cute little town, but like I was also gay and witchy and just like it, I didn't fit in there. That's that's just a, a fact. Um, And I remember, like, really praying for change and Mm. really, like, craving change and not yet knowing how to get there. And just, like, it can be comforting in dark times to know that nothing is permanent. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That nothing is permanent, that, like, no matter what situation you're in, if it's a bad one, it's not going to stay that way forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, this can be like an axe hanging over your head when you're in undergrad and you're really like loving your college experience and you're loving your circle of friends. But when you're really struggling and you don't know what path to take and you're feeling like really beaten down and uninspired and like you're in a ditch and you can't get out of that ditch, it's going to change. You're not going to stay that way forever. You're going to be able to find a way to move on because that's how life is. Like you, you, that is the purpose of life. Like finding a way to move on and getting stronger from it as long as you can. Mm, yeah. That's a tough nut to crack. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> tough nut to crack. Um, no, but I really do admire that, um, that mindset because I mean, it's, like it's so fortuitous you know and if you keep proving to yourself that you know you are okay in a present moment regardless of what is happening like definitely feel that moment um but that you're like okay in the grand scheme of things and i feel like that gives you um not necessarily motivation but um encouragement perhaps to um to keep that spirit going um but uh it's a 
it's the keeping it going for me. I think. Yeah, yeah, it can be tough. Yeah. Um, there. So there's another aspect of change that I'm curious about too, which we both have like a shared um, experience with growing up in um, in a small town. And um, that's like the perceptibility aspect of change. Uh, the the idea that it can it's something that can be perceived sometimes. Um, and like uh, and the first thing I'm thinking of specifically is um, like development, uh, like, you know, just infrastructure mm-hmm. buildings, um, even um, like you know, even like our school changing, mm-hmm. uh, like curriculums and things or like uh, routines and things. Um, whenever you see change like that, that is like obvious to everybody. Like everybody's going, everybody sees the same uh, like building being put up or this, or in the case of Mebin, the streets being torn up i was literally just about to bring that up how much the exit or the kentucky taco hut has yes, changed the, yeah uh, all the bypasses yeah. and first of all who is bypassing mebbin <sighs> for sure right <laughs> nobody uh second of all um it's not even a kentucky taco hut anymore no it's something else oh no <laughs> that's, yeah that's yeah. it's gone yeah <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah so much has changed um but, like, the perceptibility of it, like, even just describing it to you now, it occurred to me that, yeah, the building could change and, like, the street could go in and everybody could see that happening. But even just it being installed or, like, developed, yes, that physical act is happening for everybody, but it doesn't mean the same thing to everybody else. Yeah. And because everybody's, like, associating it with, like their own life story, basically. Yeah. yeah, and how the old was. And like somebody who's just moving to um Mebin from like Tamil, India or whatever. It seems <laughs> like there's been a bunch of interesting people moving to Mebin. It's like the changing traffic patterns are meaningless to them. So it's like you do kind of need a past and a place in order to perceive its changes. Yeah, yeah. A past and a place, for sure. Like, some history, some... Shared history. Yeah, yeah shared history, some association. Um, how important do you think it is, though, to, like, hold on to that? Like, I guess it's another grievance. Like, yeah. when something changes and it's like infuriating or it's sad that they tore the trees down that's usually mine yeah um every time i go back i feel like there's less trees yeah um specifically in front of our house rest in peace was there an accident in front of your house two two of the trees are gone oh that's really sad we had three beautiful maples outside of our house and two of them are gone yeah but you know like little things like that like to the like to the rest of the city that that probably doesn't they don't care like that doesn't matter but like to us like those were our trees yeah i mean i think it's painful but i think you should carry the past in that way in your heart and you can carry it into the future by like preserving your memories of the maple trees and maybe like planting new trees if you feel if you feel that that's a good fit um 
I think it's worth it to remember the things that have passed, even if it hurts us. It's like that old saying, uh, it's better to have loved and lost than never have loved before. Like the things we love may pass into dust. They will pass into dust. Eventually all the beautiful maple trees on your block will be dead. That's, that's so sad. (laughs) That's the way of the world. Um, One day there will be no human beings like us to appreciate the maple trees on your block. Um, And that's like, I, that's one of the, big human problems is like reckoning with the beautiful things passing out of our lives. And I think we have to find a way to, like I said, preserve it in your heart, like preserve those memories without taking away from your life at the present and finding a way to carry those vibes or carry the spirit of that into the future. Mm. Like you may go through times where it's like, because of the universal season or whatever is going on, it's like not the time for maple trees on your street. It's like there could be whatever going on. It's like it's just a season where there's going to be less maple trees. But in the future, there may be a season where you can plant more maple trees like you can steward this into happening or maybe they they come back on their own. Like the beauty will always be renewed Um, when you go through phases of like beauty falling out of the world that's just a long or like a different phase of winter and spring will always follow winter no matter how long winter is you'll you'll they won't be the same maple trees but you'll see more beautiful maple trees in the future Mm -hmm. and potentially there is opportunity to start the the spring or birthing or like new season yes and you can definitely lean into it too yeah so yeah do you think it's ever worth it or advantageous to lean into like frustration associated with um changes like infrastructural development that you don't necessarily agree with like <laughs> for a very specific example <laughs> or um just things that are more aggravating than helpful necessarily i think this is a time where you would have to use your um oh there's a specific word i'm looking for and it's not coming to mind right now but you have to like you have to make specific judgment calls based on what's going on there may be times where it's like even though this infrastructure project sucks, there are new people moving into your town and the roads need to be widened. However, there are times where I think you should dig in your heels and stand up for the maple trees. Discernment is the word I'm looking for. Mm. Like, you should develop a sense of discernment. And there are some things that are worth fighting for. Maybe their season is not over yet. Maybe it's just something that needs to be preserved a little longer. Um, but maybe it is time for things to change. Mm-hmm. It, it depends on the situation. It, it's not always the case where it's like you should flow into every change you see. Yeah. Um, you should like, like I have a gift of like being able to emotionally detach myself and kind of analyze situations and like figure out what needs to be done for certain things to happen. And I think like maybe you should cultivate something similar where it's like, there are some fights that you should fight and there are some things that you should let go. Mm-hmm. So because we don't uh we don't need to control everything. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And we can't. 
Yeah, and we can't. That is true. <laughs> also, we can't. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting to me that you've developed uh, that uh, that gift of not wanting to control since we are both Virgos and Virgos can be a little bit controlling. I like to control things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I guess like the S tier of controlling is knowing when you shouldn't be in control. Yes. So. You should fight the fights that are worth fighting and then let the others go. Mm, Conserve mm-hmm. your energy for the things that are really worth it. Mm-hmm. Pick your battles, as my mother would say. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> um, One final thing that I remembered on my drive over here was that we are both uh big fans of the movie um and the uh the little original youtube short marcel the shell yes and i feel like we can't talk about change without mentioning marcel the shell oh you know i watched so many great films this year and marcel the shell with shoes on was probably in my top 10 like I I literally watched so many good movies this year, but that one still, like, really shines. Like, that was such an excellent movie. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. It was so good. I've seen it um, twice now. Nice. Um, I need to watch it again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I That came out when we were – I think it was uh, – I think it was like 2010 like we were we were in high school yeah um about that time and i was curious um how what changes brought broader specific as you want you've seen in yourself since then um and like what is the growth that you've seen so since 2010 Okay, I I wasn't sure if you meant since 2010 or since the movie came out because either way, there's been a lot of changes. Yeah. So in 2010, that was 13 years ago. um, So I would have been 14. I was so sad when I was 14. (laughs) Like you know, I had a lot of like great friends and stuff. I've low-key, like, always kind of had a charmed life. I've always had people in my orbit who cared about me and stuff. But I remember being so sad and feeling so powerless at 14 years old. Like, uh, like me and my mom had some issues growing up, and they got way worse as I become a teenager. Uh, like, I was at the house all the time. I couldn't drive yet. Like, 14 and 15 are kind of the periods in your life where you're starting to develop an adult consciousness, but you don't have any of the freedom or power that comes with that yet. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of dealing with that and dealing with still being a kid and still like low key being stuck in your room a lot or Mm -hmm. like like your parents yard or whatever. Um, And I would say like there's I mean, obviously, my 14 year old self is still inside of me. Um. With my creative practice and stuff, I I often still draw like I did when I was 14. Like, I'm still kind of interested in drawing, like, uh, anime-esque, cartoon-esque characters. Um, I like to think that my design sense has become a little bit more sophisticated since 14 years old. But I still have a lot of, like, similar interests. Like, I'm writing kind of similar characters. I'm playing with kind of similar ideas. But I appreciate, like, how far I've come. I appreciate, like, 
the weird dark times that I've been through since 14 years old. And I'm really happy with myself as I am. I feel like in certain ways I've changed a lot and gotten a lot stronger and I know more about the world and I can deal with the world, but I still try to preserve like the 14 year old inside of me who has like really weird ideas about like time travel and zombies and ghosts and things like that. So (laughs) Mm, I think you should. I think it's important to, you know, treasure that because it is you. It's like a big part of you and it um, going through and experiencing all that, it brought you to, you know, who you are and who you continue to be. Yeah. Um, so it's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. Um, in in Marcel, The Shovel Shoes On, the movie mm-hmm. uh, that came out, um, Marcel asks his grandmother, Shell, um, really nervously, uh, what if, what if everything changes? And she just looks at Marcel and says, oh, Marcello. It will. It will. Yeah, it always will. <laughs> and that breaks me every time. Yeah, for like, sure. I, am I was like ugly crying <laughs> in that theater. I am. Yeah, I am shattered. Still picking up the pieces every time uh, from the two times that I've heard that. But I was curious what you would say if Marcel asked that of you. What if? everything changes yeah i i can't answer it any better than grandma shell it will it will change and for me that's really bittersweet like it can be foreboding it can be the biggest blessing in the world but that's it's a fact of life and it's something that uh you should deal with sooner rather than later because i feel like if you in your life can figure out a good way to flow with the changes and deal with yourself, deal with your grief, deal with whatever you need to do and like dance with the universe in the way that it is dancing. You can reap really interesting rewards from it. Mm, So taking the chance. Yeah. Take the chance. Try to change with the change. It's a dance. Like when when the world is changing around you, try to change with it. There's obviously like – things you should hold close and things that you should try to keep consistent about yourself, like your morals, you know, whatever, like there's discernment involved, but try to flow with the changes. Try to like do things differently when life starts doing different things to you. Um, And I think there's a lot of reward to be found from that kind of style of living. Mm, I think so too. And I'm so grateful to have your perception on all of that and to watch you uh, take all the punches and change with them. Dance well, with it. thank you. I appreciate that. Where can uh, people go to keep up with all of your your changes? Do you have anything to plug or anything that you're working on that you'd like to share? Um, Honestly, the social media that I'm most active on is my Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there are any Tumblr chads in the audience... <laughs> Um, my blog is ephemera8.tumblr.com. Um, that's E-M-P-H-E-R-M-A-8. Um, from that blog, you can find my art blog. That's where I post art and stuff. I would like to um, start seriously working on comics more next year, but otherwise, like, that's where I dump my art. That's, like, the only place I'd really like to plug. <laughs> so Respected. And honestly, like... <laughs> 
so much respect for uh, for the Tumblr chads still out there. <laughs> like, <laughs> represent. <laughs> Thanks. I just think Tumblr's chill. Like, I also use my Instagram a lot. I cannot remember my Instagram handle off the top is of it my the, head. Is uh, it the Sour Apple Apocalypse? Is it that yeah, one? Yeah, so that's my personal Instagram, and I also have an art Instagram. I may send Sarah a link to that so she could put it, like, yeah, in the description. Yeah, please do. Please do. Um, but yes, my Tumblr and my Instagram are where I'm most active, like, posting art, posting my weird hot takes. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I am always here for the hot takes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, for having me in your space again. And I'm so glad that we we got to see each other. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for inviting me as a guest. This has been a lot of fun. And I hope um, at least one person gets something cool from it. So well, mission accomplished because I've gotten a lot. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Glad we could change together. Hi, friend. I feel like I have to say hello again and not welcome back because I am coming to you from beyond the beyond in a third timeline. And I think that this is quite possibly the best timeline because I do have some good news about a change for the better. So since I recorded that intro and recorded this episode of the podcast, the Terra Theater has been saved and will be reopened. The owner of the other art house cinema in Atlanta, the Plaza Theater, swooped in and acquired the Terra Theater and is now set to reopen it and refurbish it a little bit, not changing anything, just sort of restoring it to its glory days before uh, it got sort of corporate and uh, overtaken. So they are currently working on that and they're actually looking for some crowdfunding and donor and investor support. So if you would like to read more about the Terra Theater and its history or you would like to chip in and donate to help its refurbishing and reopening or if you know anybody in Atlanta or if you live in Atlanta and you would like to buy vouchers or gift cards for yourself or somebody else to use at the Terra Theater when it reopens, then you can go to the link in our show notes and uh, find find out more about it there. I literally cried when I found out that the Terra was reopening on Instagram And honestly, it's just a confirmation or affirmation of everything that Clay is shared, sort of appreciating the ephemeral nature of things while they exist and you're able to enjoy them, but also looking for opportunities of improvement and polishing down the line. So I definitely appreciated her words of wisdom. I sort of set the scene for this episode a little bit at the beginning, but I didn't do a very good job. So to give you a little more detail, I took a detour to Asheville on my way back home to North Carolina for Christmas. And it was so pretty because I haven't really been to the mountains in a while and definitely not to Asheville in a while. So it was just really refreshing to be up there in the crisp mountain air. It was super crispy. It was like two degrees, super duper windy also. 
But what was really magical was it was that time right before Christmas. So everything was sort of slowing down and there was this stillness overtaking everything. And it may have just been my outward perception of everything because the show I was working on took a two-week hiatus for the holidays. But during this time, I feel like everything stops and slows down and just sort of holds its breath for a little bit and pauses. And I definitely felt that stillness and solitude and and contented quiet when I was up in Asheville just for a couple days visiting. So that solitude and stillness was just really lovely juxtaposed with Clay's warmth and comfort and nostalgia. So I hope that paints a little more of a tonal picture for you. Regardless, after listening to this episode, I hope it encourages you to challenge change or at least your perception of it, which is an everyday task for me. A way that I've been thinking about approaching change in all forms is considering how I can make the change work for me because fortunately or unfortunately, the change is probably going to come either way. You're not always going to have agency or decision about the change. So you might as well just react and respond to it in a way that feels authentic to you. Speaking of embracing the natural, Clay and I have been exchanging movie recommendations recently, and I encouraged her to watch My Octopus Teacher, which she did and loved it. And as we were exchanging texts, sort of going back and forth, I realized that that movie, that documentary about this octopus and Uh, this documentarian sort of getting to know her and observing her is really an eloquent and poetic depiction of natural change and cycles and challenge and death, birth, all of all of the natural changes in life. So there's a lot of beauty in it and also a lot of sadness and hurt And it's a really compelling tale and striking imagery and everything too. So if you'd like to challenge change from a cinematic and aquatic lens, you should definitely check my octopus teacher out. I'm pretty sure it is still on Netflix, but I will try and find it and link it in the show notes as well. If you enjoyed hearing from Clay today, you can tumble along with her on Tumblr. She gave her handle pretty clearly. Or if you're not on Tumblr, then you can also follow her on Instagram at sourappleapocalypse, which is her personal account and has a lot of pictures from her van life era in her giant neon green van, hence the sour apple. And you can also follow her at clays underscore sketchbook so c-l-a-y-s underscore s-k-e-t-c-h-b-o-o-k clay sketchbook has a lot of her personal art and doodles and other creative endeavors so definitely give her a follow there as well 
If you'd like to read a little bit more about Clay, you can read her accompanying Substack article on change. And to chug along with Let Me Play, you can follow us on Substack, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you like this episode, let us know on the podcast streaming app of your choosing by leaving some stars for our Sitsprite friends, as well as a little note or review to help guide us along on our quest. Next week, we'll be back with the final episode of Season 2. It'll have a similar structure to the final episode of Season 1, where it's a flipped host guest sort of situation. If you remember, I invited Jeremy back to host that episode and sort of grill me about my experience navigating the world of Let Me Play. So in this coming episode, I've invited my sister Lara back to come and play with us some more. And I have the utmost faith that ending season two with Lara in this way will be a sweet little treat. So that's coming soon to a podcast app near you. And in the meantime, thanks for playing. <laughs>